wide left, Martinez to the right, they score! Carlson! Back and forth with Martinez! Live from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. Petrangelo scores! Two markers for Petrangelo! This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Welcome in to Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports, Las Vegas. Ryan Wallace, Darren Millard, Chris Chapman inside the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios. Finley Chevrolet on the 215, home of the... Here we are, first show of the year for the VGK Insider Program from T-Mobile Arena as we get you set to leading up to game time, preseason contest number two for the Vegas Golden Knights up against the Colorado Avalanche. We will dive into what the, you will see and hear tonight from the Vegas Golden Knights perspective on the ice and some interesting comments uh, from Pete DeBoer today, both on the hockey side of it and on the entertainment aspect uh, of uh, the Pete DeBoer, showing his sense of humor and his range, a little bit of, uh, of what Pete DeBoer may do when he's not coaching a hockey team. And we have Dave Shane to, to thank for that from the Las Vegas Review Journal. Uh, Ted Lasso is the big hint on that one. That we'll, uh, we'll key up for. Uh, some news coming out of the New Jersey Devils regarding their top young goaltender. And our top five at five will deal with the third best guarantee, both from a league perspective and from a Vegas Golden Knights angle. Number three, and hopefully there's no dissension this time <laughs> around like there was yesterday in the program. But uh, basically, we've got three hours until game time. It's uh, a three-hour pregame show with a lot of news and notes uh, mixed in from the Vegas Golden Knights and the National Hockey League. Oh, and can I also mention a big debut tonight? Brian McCormack is going to call tonight's game mm-hmm. yeah. uh, on Fox Sports Las Vegas. He is the voice of the Henderson Silver Knights, and we wish Brian McCormack the best of luck. Yeah, it's going to be really fun. Uh, as as you may not know, Darren, I got to do a couple of shows over the course of the summer with Brian while you were in Tokyo at the Olympics. Uh, so I, I really enjoy working with Brian. It's going to be really fun to have that back and forth with him over tonight's game. It's going to be great. He's a hard person to get along with. Don't you find? Mm, that might just be you. Yeah. yeah, it's definitely you. Actually, you know, even I <laughs> don't have any issues with Brian McCormick. That's which, saying a lot. Which really tells yeah. you what kind of uh, amiable person that that gentleman is. Uh, just got married. Uh, he's one of the many in the organization that uh, that uh, tied the knot this summer, and he's uh, looking forward to being behind the mic in Fox Sports Las Vegas in this preseason game number two. So a, a lot coming our way, uh, a lot to talk about tonight. Uh, the Golden Knights coming off a loss to the San Jose Sharks in their opener, and results don't mean as much at the start. I think you'll hear a little bit more urgency about the final score. Uh, when you get into games five, six, and seven and the back half of this training camp for the Golden Knights as they pare the roster down and really get into business when they're not working with uh, two big groups and, and having to go through that process. They have that, that gap right between games four on Friday night and, uh, and game uh, five of the preseason on Tuesday mm-hmm. where I think you'll see a lot of business done uh, on the camp side of it 
the numbers side of it, and the players uh, get a little bit of a, a break from training camp and, and then reset for uh, the stretch drive into the season. Yeah, I think you're right. The The preseason schedule sets up in, in, in the way where – you have really kind of a beginning of preseason. You've got the end of preseason. You mentioned that break where I think that the Golden Knights are really going to hone in on what that that those last two games, the game against Arizona, the, the finale of the preseason against San Jose, what the lineup's going to look like going into the regular season. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I think for, for right now it's, it's about young players. It's about uh, players that are trying to make decisions more difficult than they need to be on Pete DeBoer really getting in and making a name for themselves. And, you know, you've got a, another opportunity tonight for Peyton Krebs to, to to maybe not try to do so much and just allow the game to come to him a little bit more tonight. So it'll be interesting to see how some of those players that already have a preseason game under their belt do tonight, as well as, you know, a lot of players that are, are, are trying to keep their jobs, a lot of players that are, are trying to fit into where the Golden Knights are going to go in their third and their fourth line entering the season. You have two to three different sections with the forwards tonight. You have that top line that will go tonight and be featured as the number one line of William Carlson, Riley Smith, and Jonathan Marcheseau. Then you have uh, the Nick Waugh, Keegan Colasar, and William Carrier, which is sort of slotted in right now as your fourth line during the regular season. Sure. Uh, veterans that, that know, know their spot. And the other two lines are going to feature hopefuls and people that are, are trying to catch the coach's eye and try to be able to uh, get an opportunity to be the, the first couple of call-ups or be that 13th forward. And Krebs and Howden and Dugan are all kind of in the same mix, mm -hmm. but a little different stages. Krebs could be that guy. Sure. That that thirteenth forward, uh, Brett Howden is going to be uh, thought to be on the roster, but where does he slot in, playing for a, a bit of a higher role? And Jack Dugan is so talented, but everybody wants to see more of an all-around game, and that part it's almost he has to produce more away from the puck and mm -hmm. do more away from the puck than around the puck. So it's 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 really interesting. And and the, the fourth line tonight with Lasician. Uh, Patrick Brown and Ron Berg, uh, again, different spots, but I, I love the idea of Brown with those other two players to be able to, to get them into the into the flow of it. Uh, Krebs going on back-to-back -back nights. You talked about maybe not doing too much. I think it's great that he goes right back in. Yeah, I agree. I agree 100% because, you know, and, and even in the game on Sunday, I felt like after making some mistakes, Peyton Krebs did go out there and have some really good offensive shifts. But what you want to see from him is, is kind of what you've seen from him at the NHL level. You you take what the game gives you and you try to make an impact within that that those constraints. So I, I, I do like the idea of going right back to Peyton Krebs because I, I think it, you're giving him an opportunity to really push for that job out of this training camp. Confidence, you saw it as the game went on the other night. After that power play opportunity, when and and I put Lucas Cormier in the same group sure, when they yeah. got to zip it around and got to uh, feel the puck a little bit and be in their element as as special team players. That's when it turned for for Peyton Krebs in game number one. Now can he carry that over? Because he has to he has to push. Uh, I don't think it's a, a secret. He's not. He's the darling, but. He's got some expectations on him now. And in the bubble in Edmonton and last year, he was 
boy, what can he do? Could he ever give anything as a bonus mm-hmm. if he can step in? Now it's more along the line of, boy, it would be great if he did. Sure. Like, we, we've seen the potential. Wouldn't it be awesome if, if we got a chance to see that in the National Hockey League and be able to deliver on some of that right now? Still slightly ahead of schedule, mm-hmm. but the, there's a possibility. Uh, it, it wouldn't be left field if, if he made this team. And and I think these preseason games are as important to Peyton Krebs as anybody else uh, when it comes to making this roster and playing some games early in October. You know, I, I think what's interesting is is you look at Peyton as kind of that, that player that a team contending that's, that's right around that cap, it's a player that they need, a young guy that can step into the lineup, that's got talent, that can play down your lineup and still make you a little bit deeper and a little bit more dynamic. A lot of teams are looking for that player, and Peyton's right on the cusp, but he does have to continue to grow and get better as he goes through this preseason. And the idea that the Vegas Golden Knights made themselves deeper at forward, Mm -hmm. and especially that third line, impacts his ability to make this hockey team this year. It's going to make it more difficult, but... Uh, Peyton also told Gary Lawless uh, the other day that he would rather be in the position of trying to make this team and be on the bubble of a really good team than be able to slide in on a bad team and play more minutes, which he did in the Western Hockey League with uh, Cranbrook, the Kootenai Ice, and then the uh, the Winnipeg Ice for his first first couple of years. Uh, he had to, he was a high draft pick uh, in, in that league and had to suffer through the growing pains of a, of a rebuild. Uh, in in junior this is a very different story if he plays uh, the idea is that he would play on the third line and he has to beat out some established national hockey league players to play on that third line this year and what i find interesting about that concept is i think we accept that right now if if the season were to start tomorrow your third line is is some combination of Matthias Janmark or Nick Waugh, potentially, mm-hmm. and Nolan Patrick and Evgeny Dadinov, yep. right? So you, you've you got to be better than, than if you're Peyton Krebs, you've got to be better or fit better than Janmark or Waugh in that spot. And those are two guys that, as you mentioned, they've got NHL experience. Matthias Janmark has, has it, just in terms of, of big impact games, that hat trick in Game 7 against Minnesota, there's a lot of you know, what these players have been able to do at this stage already. So you've got to be even better than that if you're Peyton Krebs. And there's the possibility that he could be. Yeah. There's also the possibility that they go with the more experienced player and let Peyton Krebs get a full year of professional hockey playing a majority of the time in the American Hockey League, which wouldn't be a terrible thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wouldn't be. I do expect him to play in the National Hockey League this year. Yeah. Is that five games? Is that 15 games? It's difficult <laughs> with, with this group of forwards to really, to really gauge that. The back half of the season after the Olympic break is very compacted. If Yanmark and Dadnov and join the other group of players in going to Beijing, do they get some time off some load management on the back end where you could where you could fit him in there or does Peyton Krebs just go out there tonight and put on a show and force the hand that he gets 
three more games. Four. Mm-hmm. There's seven games here. Sure. I expect Peyton Krebs to play in at least four of them. He's going to play in the first two. Yeah. Uh, I expect him to, that he would get another look in, in at least two more, and then you kind of get down get down to your roster. But uh, it's, it's going to be quickly uh, centered on Peyton Krebs up front in that 13th forward. And he... I call him the 13th forward. He would play higher than that. Yeah. But it's kind of that because the fourth line is is not where I expect him to, to be. So he's really playing for a, for a ninth spot. Uh, does he get that spot? Does Or does he play in Henderson and get called up whenever they need somebody to go in the lineup? I don't think he'll just – any waivers will sure. play a role in it yeah. uh, as well. Uh, Peyton Krebs will become a story this week in training camp as far as where he's going to slot in. So we're getting Krebs, Howden, and Dugan again, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's the line that we're going to see tonight. Now, it, are you are you looking to see Krebs play with different guys? So let's say he gets four preseason games. Are you hopeful to see him with Nolan Patrick and with Yevgeny Dadanov? Like, do you want to see what that line can look like? Or are mm-hmm. you comfortable just having Krebs play with you know, with Howden and Dugan or, or whatever combination it may be, just to see where he's at in terms of being a driver himself. Well, uh, we should update Mark Stone uh, practice today. Yeah. So that's great news. Uh, the other night, Krebs played up a couple of t- shifts when Mark Stone left the, the game after taking the puck off the year. Uh, there is the possibility that he might slot in. Uh, I don't know whether so far Pete DeBoer has rolled out his top line mm-hmm. as a line. Uh, where all three players played, and tonight he has uh, 1B in uh, William Carlson, Jonathan Marshall, and Riley Smith will all play together. Sure. Is there a game, and this is where I kind of look at it, is there a game where uh, a Max Pacioretty uh, doesn't doesn't play or a Mark Stone doesn't play with Chandler Stevenson, like one of those three players mm-hmm. uh, doesn't play, that Krebs is put with those players? Is there a game where one of Carlson, Marcia, so, and uh, Smith don't all play in the same game and play together? Does Krebs play with them? Mm-hmm. That's that's more the kind of experimenting I see for for the third, fourth, maybe a fifth game. It's not another realm of possibility that the guy plays five games. He's sure. young uh, out of the seven in the preseason. I see a, a little bit of that experimenting going on. Uh, the other guys that were banged up the other night, uh, Shea Theodore, uh, more um, uh, day-to-day, and sure. it sounds like Braden McNabb, Charlie Horse kind of thing, but uh, but they don't think it's too serious. Well, I mean, that's you know obviously good news as we, we turn the page on the first preseason game heading toward the second preseason game because, you know, as, as you go into these these exhibitions, the biggest – you know, the biggest key going in is to get out healthy, right? You want to try to end the game uh, as healthy as you were going into the game. It's not always going to work out that way, as we saw with that errant uh, uh, puck to the head of Mark Stone. But it's good to to see Stone back out on the ice today. It's good to see him practicing, and it's good to know that it's not going to be anything that's going to preclude the captain from taking part in the rest of camp. Uh, Shea Theodore hopefully back soon, and then Braden McNabb. I mean, those are key pieces of this team. Do you want my old man take on the Mark Stone injury? Go for it. So, I mean, I'd love to say no, but I you'll you'll do it anyway. No, so. I don't have to. Well, but, I want to hear. But it. I do have an old man 
take, like uh, overly protective father. Sure. You kids, stop jumping on the bed. Crotchety Darren showing up. It's it's fun, Crotchety Darren. This is this is definitely Crotchety Darren. Uh, so Sidney Crosby, who we spent uh, a lot of time talking about yesterday, sure, and Jenny Malkin, both play in the National Hockey League as MVPs, Stanley Cup champions, Consumite Trophy winners. You know what they both do? They both wear helmets with ear protection. Mm. It's it's very few players though that do that. Mm-hmm. Now there's there's when you put on your helmet, there's uh, plastic that can be removed, and uh, it's somewhat for communication. It's a little bit for vanity. It's uh, there's a lot of reasons mm-hmm. uh, that 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 go into it. But I've always declared that if Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin can wear the ear protection and hear and produce at the level that they do, then everybody should do it. Now, I'm not here to tell everybody what to do. I would just appreciate, uh, I, like, for vanity, it's cooler if you don't have the ear protection in. Right. Like, quite honestly, it does look cooler. Mm-hmm. I would probably be out there without ear protection on. No, but you wouldn't. I should. I should. Somebody. In men's league, it bothers me even more when, when guys go out there with the, with the ear protection taken right. out. Because that makes no sense at all. Because it doesn't matter whether you can hear or not because the puck's <laughs> not going to make it to your stick anyway. It's all, it's all breakaways uh, anyway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, uh, but that's my, my old man uh, moment. I'd, I'd love to talk to uh, Mark and see... Because some of them, they've been doing it for so long mm-hmm. that you ever put it back in, it, it might throw you off uh, quite a bit as well. There's going to be some changes on the blue line tonight. Yeah, I mean, it's our first look in the preseason of, at Alec Martinez and Alex Petrangelo. And, and again, that's a pair that has been uh, just so good once paired up for the Golden Knights. You've got Nick Haig and Dylan Coughlin together. And that you know, that one interests me because we, we've seen Nick Haig and Zach Whitecloud together so much. That, that pair for the Golden Knights has really been attached at the hip since the beginning of last year. So I'm curious to see how Haig and Coughlin kind of work together because, as, as I mentioned going into the season, if I'm looking at what are the seven defensemen that I, I expect the Golden Knights to go into the season with the, the majority of the time? Dylan Coughlin's on that list, so you're going to want to see Dylan Coughlin and how he interplays with yeah. Nick Hague. And then you've got uh, Peter Dillabatori and Caden Korzak, and that's a that's a, another pair that I'm I'm interested to see. Dillabatori really had flashes and pop during the rookie showcase, and I'm curious just to see how that pairs up with Caden Korzak as well. Uh, I got a note from somebody in Canada saying, "I'm a friend of a uh, friend of a friend of Korzak's uh, parents, uh, his dad." And they're looking to figure out how they could watch the game tonight, and so did a couple of texting back and back and forth, and that from uh, good old Yorkton, Saskatchewan. Korzak, uh, the Libertorian. Yeah, let's let's see. Korzak mm-hmm. is another one of those players who uh, got the experience of being around this group, and how far can he take it? The Libertorian is a, a player who I think could work his way into the mix. Sure, there's some real skill there. Real skill, and your 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 point on on Hag and Coglin or White Cloud and Coglin, uh, that that third pairing is the one 
where you're going to see some change. If you're carrying seven defensemen, sure. then you're going to you're going to work barring injury. You're going to work some some players around in that, and just making sure that those three, it's really a threesome instead of a pairing. Uh, if if it works out the way we anticipate it, mm-hmm. so make sure that everybody's comfortable. Uh, if they have to flip sides, or who's comfortable in flipping sides, uh, and going down. Nick Hag, I I just have the vibe that we could see something special this year mm-hmm. out of Nick Hag yeah. offensively. Uh, defensively. He's made some strides. Uh, there was a stretch last year where he was taking some penalties. He kind of got through that. I think the confidence of the scrap uh, that huge we, we witnessed uh, in Minnesota, yeah. uh, I think, was was big in in that regard. And being able to to go through that, not just survive but thrive, and the the good feelings in 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 his own abilities to come through that almost like a uh, initiation or a rite of passage in that because took on a tough dude. I mean, Marcus Foligno's no slouch. Yeah, really yeah. tough dude. Uh, so I I think offensively, we kind of been talking about it mm-hmm. and alluding to it, almost hoping, that, is this going to be the night that, that Nick Hag turns the corner and becomes that offensive guy? And it hasn't happened yet, but just there's part of me that in watching training camp and and kind of zeroing in on uh, a couple of conversations around Nick Hag, I feel like it's it's bubbling to the surface. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. I I think there's confidence there, right? There's there's the ability to to kind of play through the the you know those first two seasons for Nick Hag and to 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 have those moments where you score a goal, you get into a fight, you have. Uh, kind of those periods where you realize that you're at this level, you can play in this league. And I think uh, for Nick coming into to camp, I, I, I think he's a confident player. And, you know, we, we say kind of the same things about Keegan Colasar, where you go through kind of that first year and now you feel like you belong. Now you feel like you've got that confidence. And I think Nick Haig with some confidence is, is a very, very good thing for the Golden Knights because we know the skill set. We know the talents there. We know how good of a shot he's got. Now if he's confident and confident in putting it all together, that's a great sign. I think there's a bit of swagger to him. Sure. Now. Yeah. Whereas before he was the young guy, you'd chat him up a little bit, but he, he defaulted to, to staying in the background. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get the sense that without the personalities like Ryan Reeves and, and Marc-Andre Fleury in the room, Nick Hag is one of those... Uh, outgoing people sure that i'm not saying he's going to step into the void of ryan reeves and take over that uh that oxygen but he might breathe some of it in and and step up and be the the voice of of the younger guys around there i i mean i don't disagree with that at all and you know if if that's just kind of the personality you you want to be comfortable in that because if you are then everything else is going to kind of fall into place so uh, a confident Nick Haig uh, a Nick Haig that isn't afraid to drop the gloves with Marcus Foligno and hold his own and win the fight and then fire up his teammates I, I think that's just good just mm-hmm. top to bottom a positive for Vegas going into the season Colorado's the opposition tonight Bo Byram's going to play uh, this evening uh, we're going to see a couple of uh, their prospects didn't bring uh, their their top lineup which happens when you when you go on the road a lot of times in the National Hockey League in in the preseason, 
but uh, we'll see a, a couple of players that, that, that we've been looking forward to uh, witnessing, and they're going to shoot on Laurent Brossois, mm-hmm. who will make his Vegas Golden Knights debut uh, tonight. First time that, uh, that he's strapped on the, the pads in this rink as a, as a member of the Vegas Golden Knights, and I think that there's, there's some anticipation here for, for Brossois. Yeah, I'm, I'm really interested to see Brossois' debut here with the Vegas Golden Knights in the preseason. Uh, just getting used to the building, right? Like, I, I think that that's a very important aspect of this. Uh, you know, a lot is going to be made of goaltending this year. There's just no way around it. When you go from a tandem of Robin Leonard and Marc-Andre Fleury to, a, in my opinion, a very, very good tandem of Robin Leonard and Laurent Brassois, it's not Leonard and Fleury. It just isn't. But that being said, I still look at this tandem as one that is among the very, very best in the NHL. Brassois as a backup has been fantastic his entire career. And I think Robin Leonard with that clearly defined number one role is is going to flourish. I really, really look at the Golden Knights goaltending going into this season as not having lost as much as I think a lot of people perceive it to be. And, you know, the, a good game tonight from Brassois is going to go a long way to kind of quieting that narrative. So I've been watching a few of the preseason games because that's what I do. Yeah. And there was a couple of games where goaltending took over a large part of the conversation mm-hmm. in the early going. And, and some of these games you focus strictly on the prospects. Like the other night here, Vegas lost. But we spent so much time talking about uh, the prospects and in, in, in how they performed and some of the players that we haven't seen in a Golden Knights uniform. Uh, the debuts in Patrick and Howden, uh, who have also played in the National Hockey League. Uh, there's been several games, Ryan, where goaltending and veteran goaltenders have been the narrative of of the performances one new york rangers mm-hmm. uh, and number two was a toronto maple leaf game last night jake allen played for um, the front half for for montreal and the toronto maple leafs split their two number ones it, it, it's very rare that you do that in fact it's almost unheard of mm-hmm. that you take your number one and your number two and split them in a in a preseason game where you wouldn't just play them the whole game. It. Uh, I mean, that's director, director of hockey strategy. strategy. Good point. Yep. Come Good on. Point. Good point. Uh, You're playing checkers. We, He's we playing chess. To, we, we have to get down the, down there and find out the exact reason of the Maple Leafs director of hockey strategy, why they, uh, they decided to split their two goaltenders, their number one goaltenders last night. But they weren't great, Jack mm-hmm. Campbell and Peter Morazic. And yeah. uh, like, who cares? It's the preseason. It doesn't make for a hill of beans. And if you've ever tried to climb a hill of beans, it's not a lot of fun. Never done so it. So why would you ever do it? I, I mean, I haven't. No. I've never so, done it. So it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you even seen a hill of beans? No, I've literally never heard the expression no. until right now. No, so. So, so, so it doesn't really matter. That's the point. Yeah. Mrazek and Campbell weren't good, and they got heat. Well, and it's they Toronto. Got, Come and on. they got some, some serious heat. The point that I make is you, you make it easier on yourself if one Brassois goes out tonight and plays a really strong game, control sure. game, yeah. and then it just quiets everything down. Mm-hmm. There's no beans outside. Never mind a hill of them that you have to drive over. It just makes it clear sailing. Not why a lot are of the, water down here. Why are, the, why are the beans in water? Yeah, well, because it softens them up. Got it. All right. It, it does. That's a metaphor. 
It, it well, if you ever like beans are hard, they get. I mean, you cook them. You could break a tooth on those things. Yeah. The price of dental work the, in the, the valley or the oh. the hill of it, the hill of beans is it. Cooked beans or uncooked beans? Uh, well, they're the, when they're in the hill, they're uncooked. Oh, okay. Yeah. Got it. And so then you put like them in water, and then you soften them up, <laughs> and then you cook them. Could you ever create a hill of refried beans? Oh, for sure. Would that be easier or harder to climb, well, in your opinion? Probably harder. Yeah. Yeah, because they're softer. It's almost it, like quicksand, right? Yeah, yeah. Softer, and then you seep into them. They hit the hill. Honestly, the the raw hill of beans mm-hmm. are, are is easier to climb. But yeah. it just, like, what are you going to do when you get to the top? You can't put a flag uh, up there nothing. or anything like that. You're going to uh, wonder why you even did this. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to take a break, and we're going to uh, reset for a little bit of league news to tell you about in segment number two. And at the top of the clock, as we work our way towards face-off, preseason game number two for the Vegas Golden Knights against the Colorado Avalanche, our top five at five. Uh, number three, the third best guarantee both in the league and with the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, that's all coming up on the VGK Insider Show live from T-Mobile Arena on Fox Sports Las Vegas. We're back to the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. T-Mobile Arena, Laurent Brassois' debut with the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, starting the second preseason game of the fall up against the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, the Golden Knights will try to even their preseason record at 1-1. One and one. Busy stretch, play four games uh, this week, including a Thursday tilt in Salt Lake City and then back home on Friday night before taking a, a few days break. Uh, Colorado Avalanche and the Vegas Golden Knights have that history from a year ago. Uh, but are no longer division rivals. So it's kind of a, a weird, like, we hate you, we hate you, we hate you. Eh, we'll see you later. I mean, I think the path still goes between these two teams to get to the Stanley Cup final. So um, there's there's a healthy amount of dislike between these two organizations, I think. Uh, ESPN came out with its uh, goalie rankings this year. Yay. Uh, the tandem rankings. I haven't seen it yet. Uh, Vegas is seventh, and, yeah, yeah Chicago's eighth. So just because uh, everybody's going to be wondering where 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 Fleury is, but Vegas is seventh and uh, Chicago is eighth. The New York Islanders have the number one goaltending tandem uh, in the National Hockey League, as uh, put forward by Greg Wyshynski. Hmm. Uh, wish uh, so if the Vegas can move up those rankings, I, uh, I don't know where they were in the preseason last year, but they would have been top three with with yeah, Leonard and, and, so. and Mark Andre Fleury going into the season, or you would have thought that they would be very highly uh, thought of. And, and it's funny because some of the teams don't really have a tandem. They have just, uh, like, Winnipeg. Sure. Winnipeg's uh, high up there with Connor Hellebuck and, and Eric Comrie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Champa with uh, Vasilevsky. He has a partner of Brian Elliott this year. Yeah. Which is sounds like more of a tandem, but I'm not really not sure how much more – uh, Brian Elliott, uh, who's trying to resurrect his career uh, after a couple of uh, disappointing seasons with Philadelphia. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to the Tampa Bay Lightning, Andre Vasilevsky's a machine, right? Mm-hmm. Like, how many games are you anticipating Brian Elliott playing? Uh, yeah, I would probably say 25. Yeah. Get into 25. Sure. Uh, in and around there. If, if The Olympics will be interesting from a goaltending front. Yeah. Because if you go there... Are, are federations going to play the same guy five of, of the six games? If you go to a final. Sure. You, if you go to the final, you play, or, or a medal game, 
uh, the bronze medal game. You're going to play six games in, in about nine days. If the Federation plays uh, Vasilevsky five of the six games, then Elliot might get more time on the, on the back end uh, on, on that kind of uh, thinking. Or Vasilevsky might want to take a couple of games off down the stretch uh, going into uh, the Olympic break to, to rest up. So Elliot might get uh, some more time here. Same, same with Robin Leonard goes over mm-hmm. and is the, the number one guy for Sweden and ends up playing five of the five of the six games. Then does Bressois get some, some action on, on the back end of it? So that's, that's where I can see if it was 20 games for uh, Brian Elliott or 30 games for Laurent Bressois, you might see it stretched to 33 or, or 23. Yeah, I, I, you know, it's interesting. I, I mean, I'm just kind of sitting here trying to think about um you know what, what you're talking about with the list and if it's a tandem i feel like it's got to be looked at as as kind of a more more of a tandem like if if andre vasilevsky is going to play 70 percent of the games mm-hmm. which I, I think is kind of a, a number we all anticipate you can't call that a tandem like you just you can't goaltending is that fair yeah that, I mean, that would be okay you're, you're with me. You're kind of splitting hairs. I mean, I am. But just when I look at the idea of right. what I, the split's going yeah. to be with Leonard and Brassois, that lends itself more to an actual tandem, as opposed to Andre Vasilevsky or Connor Hellebuck doing the lion's share of the work and being workhorses and then kind of bringing everybody else along with them. I, I would like to see, and we should get into this uh, middle of the season when, when we've got uh, something to really reflect on and, and a, a book to evaluate. What's the, what's the win percentage possibility with a Andre Vasilevsky versus a Brian Elliott? Just, just win percentage, and it, whether it doesn't, it doesn't take into the opposition mm-hmm. uh, into account or any exterior factors. Just those two, the win probability between those two goaltenders. And I will be very curious, hopefully Chapman's uh, writing this down for us to be able to, uh, to to focus on this later on this season, but what's the biggest difference between one goaltender to the other per team? I think that's a really interesting question, and you have um, kind of the gears turning in my mind. I'm yeah. going to check something from a couple of years ago, uh, but... I would I would think this year it might be more skewed with Tampa than it was maybe two or three years ago. Like especially that sixty two win team that just seemingly couldn't lose, right? Um, but I, I think that the the brilliance of Andre Vasilevsky is going to be even further on display this year because of what Tampa has lost in terms of their roster and while they've made some moves to bring in depth. It's just not the same. I don't think they're going to be as dominant, and you're going to have to rely on goaltending to get you some wins some nights. So I think you might see maybe a, a bigger discrepancy between Brian Elliott and Andre Vasilevsky as opposed to, say, I don't know, Andre Vasilevsky and Louis Deming from a couple mm-hmm. of years ago, which I'm going to look up here in just a minute. A win above replacement is sort of the, the easy way to, to put the stat or sure. phrase it that, we, that we've all talked about uh, in baseball and, and different sports. I don't know whether it exactly falls under that umbrella, but uh, who, which team will have like the guy that is almost a lock, yeah, or has the great number, and if you put, if you have to put in the other guy, you're just you're not doing it to give yourself any type of chance. You're just purely doing it to give your number one a rest because you're probably going to lose the game. 
because there used to be those teams. It's it's fewer now because the position has become uh, more balanced, but there used to be teams where there was no way they were winning. It didn't matter who they played if they put in the other guy. So what 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 I think is so funny, and, and you bring this up, and it, it started me down this rabbit hole. So in 2018-19, that was, of course, the Tampa Bay Lightning's monster, monster season, uh, 62 wins. Andre Vasilevsky started 53 games. He won 39. He was 39-10-4. Is this the Deming year where he set the record? Yeah. Yeah, so Louis Domingue, in that same season, started 26 games, 21-5. and five. Yeah. And and my point being is... I think he won, won 15 in a row or something. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was insane. And he didn't, and didn't get a contract. I know, but... They brought I, in Curtis McElhaney but, the next year. But again, what I think is going on there is you look at how dominant that team was in the regular season. You look at just how stacked they were. I don't really... And this is, this is no disrespect to Louis Domingue. I, I think that whoever that backup goaltender was going to be for Tampa, they were going to have a monster year. Like Andre Vasilevsky won 39 games with a 9.25 save percentage. Louis Domingue won 21 of 26 with a 908. Mm. It wasn't because Louis Domingue was, was equal to Andre Vasilevsky. That team was just so good. There was, there was a debate. I remember having this debate where was Louis Domingue overrated or I'm sorry, was Louis Domingue underrated? Yeah. Or was Andre Vasilevsky overrated? Now this is before the cups and everything, but they were because the numbers for the backup were so incredible yeah. with Louis Domingue, and he went on that that run. And no, no, Louis, Louis Domingue was not underrated. And Andre Vasilevsky, we know what he is, but with those with that particular team, oh. it's almost like you could have put anybody in. And and to prove your point. Goals saved above average for Andre Vasilevsky that okay. year, 26.4. What does that mean? Okay. So it, uh, it, when you look at the average rate of scoring chances against and where the shots are coming from, goaltenders are supposed to save an average amount. And any goal above that average, when you're saving more high-quality shots, more high-danger shots against, you save more goals above what is average for a goaltender to allow. 24 sounds like a big number. Well, 26.4 is a okay. lot. Yes, yeah. 26.4 is a lot. Do you want to, and I'm just throwing it out here, do you want to take a guess at what Louis Domingue? Okay, so you've set it up mm-hmm. so that there's going to be a discrepancy here. Uh-huh. But how big of a discrepancy is, like, when you're talking 26 for Vasilevsky that year, mm-hmm. yeah. a discrepancy would be 16, a big discrepancy. What 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 is it? Negative 1.8. See, that's incredible. It is. Yeah. But again, again, like, Andre Vasilevsky was so, so good that year and so, so dominant. So we'll follow this stat sure. halfway through this year and see where the what is the, what is the actual stat called? Goal saved above average. Goal is saved above average. So many of these fancy little columns nowadays. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Whether and, and I'll be curious because I won't follow that stat day to day. You you might, yeah. But I'll try and go with the eye test and see if that reflects what what the numbers say. And and we'll check back in maybe twenty a quarter of the way through the season, twenty games into the season, and halfway through. And 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 it'll be interesting to see also with with the Golden Knights goaltenders, sure, yeah. And and where they they sit. Um, so this was a couple of years ago. Can, is there a way to look at what, what it was a year ago? 
for Tampa? Uh, for Vegas. For Vegas? Yeah, give me uh, just full time, and yeah. I'll, I'll get that for you. And, and I want to get to uh, the story out of New Jersey as well, uh, because there's a goaltending dilemma going on. Mackenzie Blackwood is the future of the New Jersey Devils goaltending. But he has some uh, some concerns, health uh, and and whatnot, and he has not been vaccinated yet. The New Jersey Devils only play nine games in Canada. They can get around it uh, if they have to uh, with three goaltenders and, and not play uh, Mackenzie Blackwood in those nine games because he's not going to play every game anyway. So it's a little bit uh, different than a position player, than a skater. But it's it's definitely put uh, uh, an, made it an issue in camp. They signed Jonathan Bernier. They acquired Jonathan Bernier to uh, to come in and help out Mackenzie Blackwood. They went through and, and used a, a number of goaltenders a year ago. But Scott Wedgwood uh, was was one of those. So they 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 have three guys mm-hmm. that can play, but. Uh, Mackenzie Blackwood being unvaccinated is is going to be, and they play in a division without any Canadian teams, sure. so that helps. Uh, but it does. If you ever made the playoffs and you were the crossover team and sure. you had to play, and Mackenzie Blackwood was your number one guy, that's when the heat really gets on a, a goaltender specifically who's who's in this position. Yeah, I mean that's something to to certainly you know keep an eye on. And and you know Blackwood did say that he's he's not necessarily closing the book on getting the vaccine at a later date. It's just simply uh, at this time he's, he's not going to do so. So, you know, you start to think about playoffs, as you mentioned, and, and what that might entail. But by that time, Mackenzie Blackwood might be vaccinated. So uh, it, it could end up being, you know, a little bit more much ado about nothing simply because of where New Jersey plays and who they play against predominantly. But it is something to keep an eye on. Now, you did ask me for goal saved above average last year for the Vegas Golden Knights. Yes. Marc-Andre Fleury. 20.1. That's that's a big, again, that's, that's a, a big number. Gigantic number. Uh, the the last time Marc-Andre Fleury was at that number, 20 point something, was his first year in Vegas. Hmm. So his, we remember how great he was. So then. his year last year was very was much epic. equal equal to yeah. what he did uh, in year number one for the Vegas Golden Knights. Robin Leonard, goal saved above average last year, 2.5. Okay. And so I, there was a gap there. Yeah, there was a gap there. And and my my expectation, again, is that, you know, because Robin Leonard battled through some injuries, because he was coming into that season, uh, statistically probably not exactly the year that he wants to have. But I do think there's a bounce back. I do think that clearly defined role is going to, to really aid him. And this is, you know, for all intents and purposes in net, this is Robin Leonard's team. Mm-hmm. Be interesting. Got a couple of things uh, coming out of my Robin Leonard conversation that I'm going to put to you uh, over the course of the next week before that podcast is released, because I want to get your opinion on something that I asked him, and whether you have the same answer as him. Hmm. And one of them is harder shot or most difficult shot to face. Uh, I'll put that to you in the next couple of days as we continue on and working our way through this preseason. We'll take a break. We're broadcasting live from T-Mobile Arena ahead of uh, this preseason game against the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, we have some people coming down here courtesy of the VGK Insider Show, and we'd like to uh, send you to an upcoming VGK preseason game. Yeah, so we've got a pair of tickets to give away to Friday's game against the Los Angeles Kings. Caller number 20 just like Marc-Andre Fleury's goal saved above average. Caller number 2702-876-1340 is the number you've won tickets. It's the VGK Insider Show, broadcasting live from Section 104, T-Mobile Arena, 
on Fox Sports Las Vegas. This is the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. Now back to Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Sitting through a couple of the media sessions, uh, chatting with the players, and we get to do it uh, in person this year. They're at the podium. Uh, we're in the uh, in the chairs, so we can't. It's not like an old time media scrum, and uh, we wear masks. But it's uh, so much more helpful to be able to read some body language and and get an idea of uh, of what the players are are thinking and reacting to to a, a line of questioning. And there's a uh, a theme that uh, a couple of the journalists are working on, and one of them is uh, unfinished business uh, with the Vegas Golden Knights. It's uh, Darren Millard and the BGK Insider Show from T-Mobile Arena getting set for the Golden Knights' second preseason game, this one against the Colorado Avalanche, trying to even the record at 1-1. One one. Unfinished business from a year ago, and not just uh, last season in reaching the Final Four for a second straight year, but uh, trying to finally get over the hump and, and win the Stanley Cup. And uh, a few players have have not shied away from their uh, statements and beliefs that there's there's definitely a bad taste uh, in the mouth uh, of the Golden Knights with the way last season ended. And I just in in watching the players and listening to their inflections, get the impression that last year may have been the biggest heartbreak. Getting to the Stanley Cup final in year number one was uh, and and falling short was devastating but there was so much goodness out of what happened during the course of that expansion season uh year number two we know about what went down in san jose uh year three was the bubble and and losing to dallas uh who got on such a great run but falling to montreal uh, a team that vegas was so heavily favored against and and the way that happened uh you just you get the feeling that a lot of players thought that was a great opportunity that got away from them an unfinished business is something that was put to William Carlson and he had a strong statement uh, regarding that that yeah uh, there's there's just a, a lot there for the Golden Knights to take from and use as as motivation and Dylan Coughlin I thought was really interesting he didn't play in the playoffs and he said even he was ticked off with what got away from them and the fact that there was uh, unfinished business especially after watching Montreal go and not be as competitive as uh, what everybody believes that the Vegas Golden Knights would have been against the Tampa Bay Lightning so uh, I almost expect t-shirts to show up at some point whether it's during the course of the regular season or maybe that's the slogan for the 2022 Stanley Cup playoffs are around the Vegas Golden Knights unfinished business if you see ub uh happening in and around uh the las vegas valley i think it points directly to what the vegas golden knights uh, are looking at in this year number five of the franchise in las vegas when we continue it's the top five at five hitting the number three position and we're talking guarantees both in the national hockey league and with the Vegas Golden Knights and our one-timer segment, we'll zero in on a couple of different places. Uh, another one of those vaccination uh, stories coming out. Uh, this one from a defenseman with the uh, Vancouver Canucks. So we will tee it up for you. Plus, uh, looking ahead to tonight's preseason encounter between the Golden Knights and the Colorado Avalanche on Fox Sports Las Vegas.